What is going on and welcome to the Power of Progression podcast. I'm your host, John Marone. Thank you very much for joining us on today's episode. And please do not forget to like, subscribe, follow the podcast, write a review, and then share it out to anybody who can take the value from today's episode and put it into their life. But now it is time to help you design the life you've always wanted to live, creating the ultimate version of yourself, and jump into the episode. So let's get it popping. Absolutely one of the most brilliant people that I've ever been able to be in contact with because she is not only a badass human, but she is a badass woman that has taken not only St. Louis, but taking the entrepreneur space to another level. Her name is Emily Frisella. And listen, guys, ego and not being resourceful are two things that most people battle with, and it halts them from any kind of growth or success. And that is exactly what almost stopped Emily as well. Now, look, at the age of 21, she saved her first business and took it from $42.86 to $647,000 in just seven months. In that time period, she experienced massive amount of failure. But through it all, led by grit and determination, she has pushed through to be a twice-published author, which one book is called The Fresh Farmhouse, or The Fresh Farmhouse Kitchen. The second book, which is releasing this fall, is actually called Clean Eating Chef. She's a creator of Fit Home and Health. She's a podcast co-host, founder of the Women in Business Workshop, and a COO of 44-7 Media, a business coach, a public speaker. She is a third-ranked entrepreneur that is a female in St. Louis, about to be number one. And she yeah. is here to help you create the ultimate version of yourself, give you actionable tools to be better today than you were yesterday. Emily, what is going on? Thank you so much. That intro is so nice. I feel like I need to like slip you a 20 or something. <laughs> it's actually 50. You, you forgot. That's it. it Prices 50. went yeah. up. <laughs> Prices do go up. Yes, yes. Yeah. Inflation, inflation. But thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm super excited to talk with you today. Absolutely. Thank you once again for taking time out of your day. Um, I just want to dive right in because people okay. need to hear your story. People need to get the tools from you. So tell them who you are. Give a little intro, but tell us a little bit about how you grew up and um, mm -hmm. kind of where you're at today. Yeah, I mean, well, you pretty much said exactly what I <laughs> exactly what I do. I don't have too much to add, but um, yeah, I've been an entrepreneur um, nearly all my life um, for about 17 years now. So I guess a little over half my life. Um, I got started in it because I grew up on a farm, and my dad was an entrepreneur. He owned trucking firms and brokerage agencies. So I always saw that entrepreneur lifestyle. I knew it's something that I wanted to do. And I didn't realize how hard it was because my dad did it so eloquently and flawlessly and made it seem so easy. So when you're speaking about, um, you know, my $42.86, that's because I was a dumbass and <laughs> didn't know what I was doing. So you learn a lot of lessons in life. Um, but yeah, that's what got me to where I am today. I just was an entrepreneur. Um, then I sold my first business um, in my mid-20s, went to work at a um, company. I was a graphic, I worked for a graphic design firm. I was their accounting and operations manager. And I always knew that, like, I was not made to work for someone else. Not that I'm a you know, a, an employee that's hard to handle. It's just, I just knew that my passion, the way that I wanted to do things and maybe my stubbornness, <laughs> I knew that there's other ways to do things a little bit better or how I would change it. And it was frustrating to me. And so I decided to, um, you know, get, get out of that, build, start to build my brand on social media for the first cookbook that you mentioned. And I worked within my company for two years before I built my brand up to where I was able to leave full time and now I've been working, doing my own thing um, for about six years now. 
That's awesome. So watching your dad really uh, do it, like you said, um, eloquently and, and really doing it to, to a high standard, did you see him fail? Because I think that's a lot of people, you know, we, we, we mimic what our parents do. So did you watch your dad fail at all? Because I know you said- no. Yeah, he didn't fail. And that's what was, that's why I feel like I, if he failed, we never knew it. You know, he didn't express that. So it's something where I see him get up at 5 a.m., go check the cows, you know, feed them, do all this stuff. His uh, office was an hour and 20 minutes, one way drive. So he was driving almost three hours a day and, you know, to his office back and forth. And I never saw him fail. And um, I've, you know, shared in a few speaking engagements that I've done before about like, that's part of why I know that I failed because I didn't know what failure was because I grew up and you know this, you know, my story, you know, I grew up and my parents were well known in our town. They were like um, the Waltons, you know, I had a very good childhood picture. Perfect. They've been married 44 years. They still act like it's their honeymoon and they still flirt and gross me out, you know, and I'm 37 years old and they still gross me out. But, <laughs> but I never knew what that was because I would, you know, I was able to, I, got the jobs that I wanted to do. I made the sports teams. I made the school, you know, the class presidents and things. You know, I made all those type of things and I never knew what failure really was. So when I started my first business when I was 20 years old, I went into it thinking that I've, I've got it handled. I know what I'm doing, but I never had failure to really ever knock me down. And that's, and I was very, I was a good part. I was a very good kid. I was never troublesome. I wasn't bratty but I did have an ego when it came to that kind of thing, thinking that I knew what exactly what I was doing when I didn't know anything. And I was too stubborn and just had blinders on thinking like, well, I've never failed. I can't fail at this. And I made a lot of mistakes, you know, in my first business and I, you know, mismanaged finances, inventory, you know, my, <laughs> my capital. And I mean, I literally knew nothing. All I knew is I saw my dad do this. He gets to do what he wants. He's the boss. People depend on him. And that's what I wanted but I never knew like the nuts and bolts that actually build a house. So, yeah. So you never saw failure. So you probably didn't know how to react to it. There's a lot of people who are like, I'm scared shitless of failure. I've seen failure my whole life. So I think whether you've seen failure, you've never seen it. We all got to understand that it's, it's a process of elimination. That's what failure is. Right? right. But you not knowing a, what failure was, but the worst thing is when people fail, they just back down and they go back to what's safe, what's normal. And, and, and they go back to what's comfortable. And we all know that's the place people die. So you not knowing what failure was, and then it just, bam, hit you in the face. I talk about, you know, it led with grit and determination to get you out of it. But let's be real. Like, what are some tactical things that you did or mental shifts that you made to take what you currently have, which is a huge failure, not understanding anything mm -hmm. about it to get to where you're at? Well, it really hit me. I didn't realize how big of a failure it was until I had an employee come to me. Um, it was the day after payday and she went to try to cash her check and the bank said they couldn't cash the check because I was so overdrawn and I had no idea. And this was before online banking. Um, so you used to have to get your statements. If I don't you know, the demographic of your podcast, they might not realize there was a time before there was online banking and you would just get, you know, 20 sheets of paper at the end of the month from the bank and it would have all your checks and everything transactions and you would have to match it up. And I was like, Oh, I'm fine. And I would not even, I wouldn't even mess with balancing my checking account. So I never really knew how much actual money I had. So, and she came to me, my employee and said that, and I was like, Oh, and I was defensive. I was embarrassed. I said, there's gotta be some problem. The bank messed up. And I snatched her check up and I went to the bank cause I had all these, I had five other full-time employees that I knew were the same situation was going to happen to. So I went to the bank and, uh, talked to them and sure enough, I had no money. I had that, 
like you mentioned, the $42.86, that I'll never forget that number ever because it was, the, I remember it was like, that number will make you me like feel like I need to throw up because I felt so sick at that point. Like my heart just sunk and I felt like such a failure. And so at the time I just scrambled, ran to my house, got my savings deposit, like a withdrawal slip, got cash out for everybody, told all my employees that there was a mess up at the bank and I would just have to pay in cash this week and next week we'll be back on track with everything. I just was trying to cover my ass until I could figure out a plan. So, you know, I had to become like a resourceful. I had to figure out what can I do to get money in the bank and quit because I have this payroll next week and it was probably between two and $3,000 or so. I can't quite remember. So I had to get that payroll um, made for the next week and I didn't have that. So what could I do? Because with my business, it was a flower shop and a luxury gift boutique at the time. And I ran, it was, I ran it on, you could have a credit account there. So most customers would have a credit account, which meant they could buy stuff all month long and I would bill them at the end of the month and not get the money till the next month. So I had to still keep that uh, method with my clients or my customers, but still be able to get money in on a regular basis and not have this huge chunk of money not coming in for probably five or six weeks. Cause that's how it was. It was just, I'd have no money and then a ton and then none and then a ton because everybody's paying their bills. So I decided like, okay, what can I do to get money? And I was like, I need to figure out, a, it was August. I'll never forget that. And I was like, okay, we have the holidays coming up. I'll do pre-orders for people. They pre-order now, they can save 10% off. I did uh, flower arrangements for businesses and put my card on it with flowers that were going to die in a few days, just to have something on their counter and put a note from my business that when customers would go in there and see it, they would see that, you know, oh, Floral Boutique sent this. You know, I would just write like, thanks for being an active member of the community. And I would do that. And I would do in-home um flower decorating. I started, I bought stuff on a credit card to rent out for weddings. Like you see the arches and all this stuff, that, like the candelabras going down the aisles, all that stuff. I rented that. I got tuxedo rentals in, in there. I started doing, um, my gosh, I did, what else was it? Oh, I did like uh, classes. Like I could have people come in and they would do classes on how to do flower arranging, how to make their wreaths for the holidays. I did anything I could imagine to try to get some money in there and sell like uh, subscriptions. It's so funny because now there's like 1-800-Flowers. I was doing that before there was even a 1-800-Flowers. I was doing some yeah, I was doing subscription <laughs> services for flowers where guys or girls, they would fill out a form of who they wanted the flowers to go to and what dates, what the occasion, what the card was. They would just pay for it all for, you know, however many they needed a year. If they needed a birthday, anniversary, whatever it was, they would pay for all of it and I would take care of it. So I was doing subscription delivery services. So I just, you know, and with that, it came great success and I would start building and exhausting my efforts every single month as to what could I do now. And I had to do it so like casual and cool. Cause I didn't want people, I didn't want it to seem like a panic mode because you got to remember social media wasn't even a thing at this time either. So it was like phone books. It was door to door stuff. It was publishing things in the local like football uh, programs and basketball programs for schools and things like that. So, but I couldn't, I could not put it out there in a panic mode. I had to let people think that everything was under control. Again, that was my ego. I didn't want people to think that I was failing. And I just wish looking back now, I would have talked to my dad about it. I would have asked for some help with that because it would have helped me with my like anxiety and just like constant fear of knowing like and having another route to get out of that situation. So I worked on this whole method, the things that I mentioned just previously, and that's how I was able to build my bank account back up to the 647000 from the $42 because I mean, I was like... I was beating the pavement so hard. Nike should have sponsored me for how many shoes I was going through. I mean, it was insane, but yeah, it's just, you have to be resourceful with anything because you know, you're going to have these ebbs and flows of your business. And if you're not able to be resourceful and live in a state of constant resourcefulness, 
then you're going to have those failures. And that's something that, that, that was the biggest lesson that I learned through this big failure was I have to live every day. Like I don't have any money in the bank, if that makes sense, where I'm living in a way of like, what can I do now to be better? I can grow my business. I can add this feature to my business. I can do this, but you can't add more than you can keep up with though. And that's what people also fail is they try to overpromise and highly underdeliver, which is going to ruin your reputation and your your obviously your credibility because it only takes that one failure. People are ready to see the chink in your armor, especially with social media now. They want oh, to yeah. see you fail. So there's a fine balance there of being resourceful, but being able to deliver at 110%. Um, you know that you're capable of to be able to maintain your business, continue to grow. I love that. So resourcefulness, people. People think about, oh my God, what resources do I have, right? Like, oh, I need to find this resource, this resource. But as Emily's saying, and I've said before, it's, it's your resourcefulness creates resources. Yes. The big thing, guys, if you're listening to this and not taking notes, you better start now. Because the big thing you said, you kept saying it. I asked myself, okay, what else can I do? I asked myself this. I asked myself this. Like our quality of life is proportional to the quality of questions we ask ourselves. Right. And you just kept asking yourself good questions <laughs> and then taking the action. Right. right in the action to get it done. You and I talked off camera of like, I don't, we don't understand how people just aren't committed to just taking action and want this perfect plan. And yeah. you knew that right away after you failed that you had what you thought was a perfect plan mm -hmm. and you bombed, right? And yeah. you bombed and it was that. <laughs> that's an understatement. Um, and, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's huge, but you also talked about ego in there, mm -hmm. right? So I, I mean, I, I used to be huge with ego. I'm from Jersey. I'm Italian, stubborn as shit. I think it took me to almost dying to realize I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. I thought I knew everything. And it took me the fear of death to really realize I don't. Yeah. And to be a big business failure. Yeah. But I'd love to chat with you and talk about ego versus pride. Okay. Because I, yeah. I think that there's this like, people like want to be prideful, but they don't want to feel like they have an ego. They want to be confident, but then they feel like they have an ego and people look at them differently. So what are your thoughts on, on like pride versus ego? Well, I think that, you know, ego is something where you think, you think you're the shit. You think you know, and you're not willing to be open to other ideas or suggestion or criticism, where I think pride is where you take pride in what you do by working to critique it from taking action from others or advice. You know, you would be crazy not to take, you know, if someone wants to write a cookbook and they don't know how to do it, and I'm telling them, here's how to do it. Here's my publisher. Here's this person. And you don't act on that when I'm giving you the recipe you know, that's an ego thing, you know, where you can be, feel like you have good sense of pride in what you do because you know you're trying to deliver the best thing because you're trying to take the experiences from others to create that, you know, that perfect product or that perfect service or that, you know, that perfect experience for others. Because the ego is what, you know, ego is what's going to crumble you, you know, and your ego has an expiration date and many don't realize that. Woo! I like that. Your ego has an expiration date. <laughs> yeah. and, and that is brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Cookbooks, you know, why, why a cookbook? I mean, there's so many, everybody's publishing a, a you know, best self, you know, you know, publishing basically about their life or about what they went through or, you know, what they know, but you decided hey, I'm going to go cookbook. Why cookbook versus anything well, else? Well, I grew up on a farm and I always loved to cook. My grandparents, my, my grandmas and my mom always cooked big, huge meals. Um, we always had big home cooked meals every night. It wasn't ever like one thing, it was like fried chicken, salad, potatoes, green beans, dessert. Like it was always the full spread every night. And I was an athlete from like seventh grade and through college. I played volleyball. And then when I stopped training, um, 
you know, you train a couple hours a day when you're playing sports. And when I stopped, got out of college, stopped training like that, I started gaining weight. I gained probably like 15 pounds or so because I was still eating like a farm girl, but not working out like I was like an athlete. So, um, you know, you can't have fried chicken and biscuits and gravy and all that stuff when you're not working out. And I wanted to get healthier and lose the weight, but I wasn't really sure what or how to do that. So I was looking in the um, healthy cookbooks and they all had these crazy exotic ingredients. I was like Googling or looking in the dictionary to find out what the hell it was, or you couldn't find it where I lived because I lived in a very small town where like you legitimately couldn't buy a pair of socks at. So like I needed, I wanted a book that was easy to find, affordable, stuff is easy to make. You pretty much probably already have all the ingredients in your house already, but it's just gonna give you that push of like that help. So then it came down to like, well, I wanna write this, or I wanna create these. So I started creating all these recipes. Um, and this is probably, I wrote recipes for probably five years or so, just experimenting with them, just for Andy and I, uh, my husband, just to make healthier options. So then, he was always like, damn, that's good. That's really good. That's healthy. I can't believe it, you know, and all stuff. And so then I was like, well, I want to, I want to write these into, I want to put them into a book. And he's like, yeah, you definitely need to write a cookbook. And I was at my, I was working in the office, like I said, after I sold my business and we just decided like, you know what? We decided it was over Christmas holiday. He's like, you should just quit and write your book full time. Cause it was taking a long time because I was doing it like on the nights or weekends. And if you don't feel like it or you're busy that weekend, you know, then you don't get, it was just a very slow process. And, um, I said, yeah, I said, it's definitely what I want to do. Um, you know, I've been working, cause this, this time I'd been working for two years to build my brand and I was doing okay. And we decided it was time for me to just, you know, leave my office, leave my job and start doing this full time and get the book out and start to really go full, uh, full force on my brand. So that's what I did. And I just decided, you know, the cookbook, that's what people needed, you know, being in also in that, the health space, the fitness industry, um, it was something I saw a need for and I knew people, you know, they, people that don't know how to cook or are a veteran in the kitchen. It's something that everybody can enjoy. So the first book came out, the second book is coming out in the fall. Um, and it's just something, you know, it's, it's just, it was time for something different. And I know people always ask why a cookbook, because I think there's so many cookbooks out there already. But the thing was to me, is it wasn't my cookbook. It wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I wanted to deliver. And I didn't find what I wanted. So like, just write your own, you know, it's like, you're saying like people publishing their self help or this, they might have a, an aspect of something that someone else they're unable to absorb from any other type of source. So let's say, let's say you would say, tell me something and I could have two other guys tell me something. The delivery of each of you would be different, even though it's the same topic. So, and I'm going to resonate with one of the three of you differently. And that's what I'm going to connect with. So I felt like it was important for me to be able to put that out there because people might resonate more with my voice and health versus someone else that could possibly deliver the same thing, but it's just a little bit slightly different because of me. Oh, I love that same message, different messenger, right? Yes. So, so poor Andy, I'm sure there were some really bad recipes you made, right? I mean, there had to be at least one that you remember where he was like, yeah, let's not put that one in there. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> there were like, there were two or three because I would make him at dinner and I would say, is this like, um, I'd say, is it, what do you think? He's like, it's good. I'm like, is it like, what I would always say is, is it good or is it like book good? And he would say book good. And book good meant it was going to be for the, the cookbook. I did yeah. an interview years ago on a radio station and they asked like, they said like, well, how do you uh, know if it's good or not? I said, well, my husband, my husband's my taste tester. Like, oh, well, he'll tell you if everything's good. I'm like, you no. don't know my husband. 
<laughs> but he's always been so honest and so supportive. He'll be like, no, I don't really like it. I don't think it tastes, you know, as good as it could or else it's like, I just don't like the combination of spices together or whatever. And that's what I always tease. I tell people that my cookbook's husband approved because every, every recipe in there, he like gave me the thumbs up on. <laughs> I love that. And, and, and you're right. So those of you guys who do not know her husband, Andy Forsella, uh owns uh, First Form Nutrition, also MFCEO Project. And when you hear his podcast, he is a no, no bullshit, like straight to the point, even on Instagram. Like I yeah. love watching this shit because it's like <laughs> when you, when you have that, like, I want to quit feeling, or I'm just going to take it easy feeling. You see him pop up. It's like, Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Nobody now. <laughs> then I meet him at thrive and I talk to him and I'm like, you're like a, like such a sweet guy. And I love he's that. Awesome. Yeah. And he's I a- love that because first off, he's, he's, he's a, He's a big man, right? He's, he's, yeah. he's definitely a big man physically. And, and you see that and then you hear him, you know, on the shows and everything. And, you know, you just think he's that cutthroat guy, but then you understand that he is that way at the times he needs to be to push himself to become the person he needs to become. But deep yeah. down inside, you know, it's, it's, he's a well, sweet, genuine he, dude. Yeah. He's, he's got such a good heart and that's actually, his heart is what leads his passion because a lot of people always think like, oh, what's it like to live with him? Is he like going, yeah, come on, baby, brush your teeth, blah, blah. Like, you know, like yelling at me, like to motivate me. I'm like, no, like that's not how it is. Like he is the way he is because he cares so much about people that he gets frustrated that they're not trying to excel. And they don't, like, he gets stressed because people don't want more for themselves. So who he is on his Instagram and podcast, that's who he, that's who he is as a genuine person. But he expresses in a way out of frustration because he doesn't understand. Like he sees things in people before they see him in himself. And it's frustrating to him that they just, they don't open their eyes to that. They don't want that for them. So he's like trying to drill at home. Like, look, this is what the life that you can fucking live. You just got to get, you have the potential. Like I see it in you. Like, why are you not acting on this? And it's so like just boggles his mind. And and, and then you guys kind of balance each other well, but you guys both have, extreme passion, right? You guys have yeah. extreme passion. Um, and, and we talked on skin off air about like, you're taking over some of the roles in his business and operations mm-hmm. or, or whatever it might be, the COO, all those things. He kind of said, here you go. After you volunteered. Yeah. That's where a lot of people have an issue. Anybody listen to us right now. If you're thinking about getting in business with your partner, mm-hmm. uh, I think Emily's going to be able to give you some knowledge. <laughs> How do you shut off work to personal life? Is there a shut off? How do you integrate it all? Because I know it, it, no matter if it's, um, you know, husband, wife, whether it's wife, wife, husband, husband, no matter if it's just brother, sister, I mean, there's still obviously that, that issue, but when you are married with somebody and you yeah. got to have those rules or guidelines in place, I'm sure it's hard. So tell us how you guys formulate yeah. a plan. Well, we're psychotic, so we don't really, sh- <laughs> we love to work. So <laughs> we, uh, we don't have like a shut off. We never put our, we're not, we're not like, let's put our phones in a basket for dinner. We just put our phones face down, you know what I mean? And we have our conversations and things like that. So, okay. So with there's, I have two different sides to this, the side before I started working with him on his brand and the side currently. So, cause I get asked a lot from people in our, um, you know, groups, like, how do you do that? Or like, you know, their wife might feel like they're disconnected or husband feels disconnected because they're, they're so busy in their work and they're so busy pushing and striving to be better. The thing that people need to understand is that if you're getting frustrated at someone for working and trying to excel, you nagging them or getting upset is never going to benefit you whatsoever. And that's something Andy and I've always had and always understood with each other because we've both been in relationships prior where we had 
people that were on us all the time and you know upset and nagging because you work so much. And that doesn't make them want to be closer to you. It makes them want to be further away from you. You're driving a wedge and people don't think that. They think if they nag them, they're going to get what they want. Actually, you're going to drive that person away. So don't, I also like, don't do that. Make sure you're communicating with them. If they, if you are in some a situation where you're feeling like disconnected or excluded, or you don't really know what's going on in their world work-wise when they're pushing and striving and things like that, it's important, obviously, like, you know, the communication aspect of it, which I know is so cliche, but communication is key, I think, underneath respect. So, you know, what I always tell people is like, I'm asking, like when someone says, hey, how was your day? They're usually not asking for small talk and to be like, just, oh, it's fine. That's not the answer they're looking for. They're asking like, how's your day? They want to know what's going on. They're, they're trying to, because they don't know what's happening. So they can't say, how was your meeting with XYZ? Or did you get this product placement in the retail stores you're looking for? Like, they don't know what's going on in your world. So it's important for you to share that so they can actually communicate with you and have a conversation about what's going on in your world. Because when you just say, oh, my day was fine, that's why they were feeling disconnected. And that's why they're feeling like there's a wedge because you're not realizing they're actually wanting to know what's going on in your world. That's their way of asking that. So that's, well, that's what I tell you. That's a huge distinction. I want to yeah. tell you, that's a huge distinction. I think a lot of people, there's both sides of it, right? So like the person may ask, hey, you know, how was your day? And the person that's going to answer that doesn't want to go down that hole because maybe they're stressed or doesn't want to go down that because, oh, she won't understand. He won't understand. So I think that's huge that you said, that they're asking that question because they don't know how to ask it another way. Right. So it's for you to be vulnerable and just open up about it. And, and I think that's yeah. you. They don't know the specifics of what your day is. So they just want to know, but like you're saying, you know, the person that you're asking might feel stressed or tired. I don't want to talk about it. If you don't want to talk about it, say like, you know, just let me decompress for like an hour or so. And then like, I'll tell you, like, it's just been stressful. Give them something so they don't feel that way. So they, they can feel like there is a connection there. Cause I, I hear that that's the most common thing that I get in Instagram DMS in public at speaking events, that's the most common question they ask is because like my husband and wife feels disconnected or excluded from my business or they don't understand what I'm going through. You have to, it's a two way street there. You know what I mean? When they ask, you have to answer. You have to realize they don't know. So they're not trying to be annoying to make you talk about it more from a stressful situation. They don't know that it's been a stressful day. So don't get upset with them. They want to know what's going on. So with Andy and I now currently with like working together um, with his brand, um, we don't really have a set like shut off as we never really did because we both have our own stuff going all the time, but ours is more of, we've gotten really good at talking about business during the day. So like, I don't, we don't talk about the podcast or me, you know, booking guests or Arte or the Otis and Charlie books. Like we don't talk about a lot of that stuff at night. We do it through the day. It might be, you know, we have meetings every week. Um, it might be just through text message or I might call them on something. We try to keep it within the realm of like quote normal business hours. Um, so while you're in that mode, that way it's all, all your shit's handled during the day. Then when you get home, you might have a few little crumbs you got to take care of for business that day. But we try not to like, I don't want to like, like blast him with questions at night when he's already dealt with stuff because he runs seven different companies, you know? Yeah. So for us now, it's more of like we try to handle stuff during the day. At night, we talk about what's going on in the day, what's going on the next day. I brief them on like, okay, tomorrow you've got this, this, this. And we just, we've never been able to really shut things off because with him, with his companies, there's stuff all the time. You know, at nine o'clock at night is when most of the action happens. So it could be nine to midnight. He's busy on the phone or texting, you know, um, you know, making things 
you know, getting things set up for the next day or handling issues that arise. But for us, there is no, there's never a balance. We just try to handle as much as we can during the normal hours. So that night we have dinner, we do enjoy dinner. We don't usually talk about work during dinner. We do just talk about ourselves and ourselves outside of work are the dogs. It's like us mentally. We're both very much into personal growth and reading and, you know, growing as a human, um, working on your awareness, your consciousness. So we talk about that kind of thing, like the deep conversations happen then. I love that you talked about awareness. I, I think that's the number one habit in any person that has an abundance of, of love, laughter, money, fulfillment. I think it's self-awareness and that you do it at night is super important because a lot of people will wait too long. Yeah. We talk about wait, like not just a couple of days, but weeks, months, and then they're in this deep hole. Yeah. That you actually do that with your husband. And I think anybody listening, your husband, your wife, your partner, they don't need to be in business with you for you to have this self-awareness conversation at the end of the day. Because right. like you said, personal development is huge. I just did a post about it. Like it never stops. It no, never stops. Sure. And, and I, I think, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> I, I think the most important two hours of our day is the first one we wake up, right? The first two hours. Mm-hmm. And I watched a video with you about prioritizing your time yeah. and, and becoming a top you know, peak performer. And I saw first off that little cube, which is mm-hmm. pretty gnarly. That cube is awesome. I, I'm going to be ordering that. Uh, <laughs> if you guys, you guys are watching, you guys just saw it. There's a cube that she uses to basically tell her it's 30 minutes, 15, 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I love that because it's actually rings that alarm versus like you can ignore it if a calendar pops up. Yeah. Uh, you, and, and I'm not going to go to my phone every well, time. It makes you stay on track though. Cause it's like, you got to beat the time. Like how much can I get done in 15 or 30 minutes? Uh, it's like a game. Yes. Yeah. So, so what are two things? Just say two things. That like if you could only do these two things, and I know there's more, two things in the morning, every single morning, what would those two things be? Okay, so for me, it's um, I don't look at my phone whenever I first wake up. So let, let me clarify that. Just look. So like we're doing a lot of construction in our house right now. So I like just check for text messages and that's it. If it's a text message I know is work-related, I don't answer it. I only do like the necessary. I don't open my social media. I don't do any of that stuff. That's helped me a lot. And that's a change I made recently, probably in the last eight months, because what was happening is you get down a rabbit hole and then all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, you know, I'm going to be late now because I was laying in bed, checking up on my Instagram, my DMs or whatever it might be. So I don't do that. Um, The second thing is I like to come into my office and I like to set and I like to just like take in the day. I always keep my desk pretty tidy but I like to go through things and see what my day is going to hold. I always look at my planner the night before to see what's in the morning, but then I'll go through my day and I structure my whole day out what I'm going to do because that way I wake up. Nobody from that quote outside world has infiltrated my brain yet from my, cause I'm not looking at my phone. I can look at my planner. I can have my peace and realize like, okay, this is what my day is going to be. I mentally kind of prepare for the day. And I vision, I have a visions of the day of like how it's going to run, what I'm going to do. And just that little bit of being prepared and taking the time to really soak it in helps me perform better because I feel like I am fully aware of myself for that day to where I'm not running around like a chicken with its head cut off. <laughs> Thank you for saying that because I preach this nonstop. <laughs> the phone off, disconnecting and reconnect with your relationships at the end of the night. And then in the morning about not touching your phone for the first two hours. Yeah. But you said infiltrated your mind all these negative and all these people coming in i literally just saw in it like people army crawling trying to get into your brain like trying to <laughs> somehow it's get true. into this mind it's and you true. gotta you gotta yeah, you open up your dms out. your emails it's immediately someone's wanting something from you 
yeah. you know? And so it's like, and plus it's not a good time to do that anyway, because you're not in that mode yet. Like I don't want to open emails and people are asking me for stuff when I'm not by my computer, when I'm, you know, away, you know, when I'm busy trying to get laundry done for the morning or, you know, I don't know, whatever it might be. I don't want to have to worry about, Oh, I got to make sure I do this. I want to make sure I do this. I like to sit down and, you know, then when I'm saying like, I'm planning for my day, that's when I like to go through that little stuff and knock out the little stuff when I'm well prepared to do that in a space to do that and not where I feel like I'm already scrambling to try to get people what they need from me. And then you start multitasking, right? Which is, which is a myth. Yeah. You can't I just, you know, it's like, I guess it maybe, you know, as it comes with age, just, I just have started getting like super protective of my energy. Like I don't want to put out energy for people that I don't feel deserve it or need it and that I'm in control of it because I let it control me for a while. And I was really trying to build my brand I was trying to be everything to everybody and it made me burn out where I don't even want, you know, I didn't want to look at my phone. I didn't want to have social media. I didn't want to post. I didn't want to have to create stuff. And I realized that was ruining my creativity. It was crushing that because I was in a constant state of giving everything that everybody else needed instead of me tapping in and protecting my energy and keeping my reserves for me to be able to produce better content, better value and deliver for people. Huge, huge protecting your energy. We're only made up of so much throughout the day. Right. And yeah. I think protecting it. It's like a bank account. You know what I mean? You can't, you got to be able to deposit before you can spend, you know? Yes. Yes. And, and the depositors in your life and, and uh, you know, withdrawers in your life are, are influences people and things. So yeah. guys listening right now, take inventory. Who's the withdrawers? What's the withdrawers? What's the depositors, right? Like yeah. figure it out and do like Emily said, protect your time. Yeah. Um, but and, you, also have to, you also have to realize though, you need to be able to deposit to others too before you can ever withdraw yeah. as well. You know, it's a definitely yes. street. So you need to make sure that you're protecting your energy, but yet you're still making a conscious effort and aware enough to realize that you have to make deposits into other lives as well. Yes, yes. It's, it's, a, it's definitely a two-way street with that, right? Yeah. In an instant, well, not an instant, but a side effect of giving is getting. Right? It's just a oh, side effect. Of it. Yeah. it may not be today, but it may be five years, five months, five minutes. Um, and, and they have to realize that adding value, making a difference, um, and, and being good in the world and doing those things, they, they, the universe hears it. The universe sees it, right? Oh, it'll, for sure. It'll come back around. Yeah, and if people don't believe that the universe is, uh, uh, you know, that everything you put out there comes back, I mean, if you really think back and reflect on your life, you'll realize that there's a lot of things that didn't just, quote, happen. It's never coincidence, you know? And people always balk it off as that. But the thing is, if you're living your life, it's, like, very intentional, the universe is going to, like, you know, they're going to hit you back. They're going to get you. <laughs> yep. Yes. And, and looking back, you connect the dots, they say, right? And oh, yeah, for sure. We could have a whole podcast on the universe and how it works. I, I truly it, believe. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, for sure. The universe brought me my daughter, right? We totally couldn't have kids for nine years and we manifested her. Yeah, we had to obviously put in some action, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we were. Pun intended. Yeah, it's pun intended. So it, I truly believe that. I believe it's brought me to people like yourself and other brilliant value adding humans. And, and uh, because of that, you know, I've been able to. Um, really focus on the law of attraction in the universe and use it to our attention because our, our mind also doesn't know what's real and what's fake. Right. Our mind exactly. doesn't understand that. So yeah. but the problem is that we keep putting all this fake, false, limited beliefs in our minds and the universe hears that. They think it's true. Therefore, yeah. it gives us that. So if we could say, okay, let's use it to our advantage. Well, it's huge. And a great book to start people on that is like The Big Leap. Um, that's a great, by Gay Hendricks. That's a great book about limiting beliefs because I feel like that's something that needs to break down that and the four agreements are two books I always highly recommend because it teaches you about the limiting beliefs and then the four agreements is going to teach you 
um, how to basically what how people react to you is not on you it's on them and their um, what's going on in their life so that's a book I, it's like seven dollars on Amazon that's a book I always recommend to people so those are like I feel like the gateway books for this kind of stuff because Andy and I are both like very we love like how the universe works, the psychology of people, like we're, how our brain works, how you, you know you tap into your like your consciousness. Like, there's so much out there that has very good reasoning to it that you don't realize that you need. To, like, you can be like awakened to that stuff, you know. And then as you do that, you start manifesting things. The ball starts rolling really, really, really fast, and you're like, you become way more conscious of how you think, which is why I feel when you people get in that state. You, they'll notice the negativity, the dramatic people, the just the, all the basically bullshit in life starts to start weeding itself out because you don't even realize how much more conscious and aware you are of what you're putting around you that you want to feed off of. And things start happening. You think it's a coincidence that all this is happening. But in the reality of it, you have trained yourself to only attract those good things into your life and to do better in life. Yes. And it starts with you, right? Inside yep. job. It starts yep. with you. And we're about to wrap up here, but before we do, this comes the time of the show where if people have been taking notes, they're going to start taking them now because I want you to give them three, three actionable tools or strategies or tactics, whatever it might be, three things that they can implement as soon as they're off this podcast and it could be better today than they were yesterday. In any area of life, what are your top three things? Okay. Start reading. Don't read a book that you're like, people always want to read and they think that they're just going to read everything. Don't read these like novels. Don't read that. Start reading self-help books and read things that are not pertaining to you right now. And what I mean by that is it's a way for you to get a leg up before you're needed because a lot of people go into this like, um, this like sense of urgency when something's wrong because they're not taking the time to educate or learn about it early on. Like I for years have always read about psychology, business, relationships, like everything like that, even though, you know, my business is good, you know, relationships good, everything's good in my life, but it's like, I like to know because you can always make things better. So start reading books about life and how to live a better life, even though it may not necessarily pertain to you now, if you want to open a business, so you need to start reading about business. You need to start studying people that are doing something that you want to do or need to do. So you feel like you are going to be more well prepared for it. Um, secondly, that to be better, um, I would get your diet in check. I know, you know, I'm in the fitness industry and obviously cookbook stuff, but get your diet in check because the thing is people don't realize how much your gut is feeding your brain. That's the actual, our brain isn't our hub of our life. It's our gut. Our gut actually is what relays things to the brain. So if you're eating crap food, you're performing shitty, you're just not in a good space, you need to get your body on its right path. You know, you don't put, you know, bunk gasoline you don't put you know bad gas in your car you need something that's going to be a good premium quality to get you to where you need to go same thing with your body is you need to get your food in check because you're going to be able to perform better because you'll be feeling a lot better um and then third i would make get into a good routine a morning routine i love like to know what people do in the morning and that's like I said, you know, like I wake up, I don't look at my phone. I look at my planner. I like to have that. If you're someone that likes to work out in the morning, if you like someone to meditate, find three things that you can do every single morning to get a routine going because then you never feel like you're out of control. Because a lot of people, when they're failing in life, they feel like they're out of control. You need three things in your life that you are in control of every single day that you make the choice to do. And for me, that's fitness. That's not looking at my phone. And that's planning my day out. So you need to have those three staples in your life. I love that. Three progression tips have just been dropped. Thank you so much. And you live by those. And obviously it's shown to work, right? It's shown yeah, to work yeah. day yeah. in and day out. 
I appreciate you and I appreciate you jumping on here. But before you go, tell everybody what you have coming up. Tell everybody okay. where they can creep on you, where they can stalk <laughs> you, uh, sure. and let them know where they can find your cookbooks and everything. All right. So uh, Instagram is just at Emily Frisella. My podcast is Food and Sessions Nutrition Podcast. Um, I have my cookbooks are available um, on my website, fithomeandhealth.com or Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And you can just follow my Insta Instagram is going to be the best place because I put everything up there, what's going on. So just go to at Emily Frisella and I got you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Any last parting words, you guys? I mean, this, this one episode right here can and will change your life if you implement the information. But any last parting words that you want to leave? No, you know what? I just, I am really excited um, for everything that you share with your listeners and about them because it's very important that people, you know, people need to know that it is about progression. It's about making a difference. Like, and it's not going to happen overnight. And I like the reality that you bring to it where it's a day by day thing. It's a, it's a step by step because a lot of people, they feel like they're going to be knocked down before they can even get going. But the truth is we've all messed up and you're going to misstep, but it's important that you just keep pushing because like you preach, you know, it's, getting better every day and, you know, waking up a little bit better and stronger than you were the day before. So I'm just, I thank you again for having me as a guest. It's been really fun chatting and uh, I hope to do it again sometime. Oh, we definitely will. Make sure you go ahead and give those dogs a kiss for me as well. Oh, I will. <laughs> you guys follow her on Instagram. You'll see. And Andy too. You'll see those dogs are amazing. They're so damn cute. I just they're little to... people. We swear they're like toddlers <laughs> with fur. <laughs> I just want to squeeze their face. Once again, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Guys, please do me a favor. Share this podcast out. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe, share it out, comment your biggest takeaway Go follow my girl, Emily. Make sure you buy her cookbooks, not just one, but both of them. She's got a planner coming out in September. Make sure you go buy that as well. And just please, please do me a favor and just take the information and create some kind of implementation and just keep creating the ultimate version of you and be better today than you were yesterday. Until next time, guys, thank you so much and we'll see you soon. Bye.